The following shiur is presented by Dayan Shlomo Cohen, Dayan in Beddin Ahavat Shalom in Yerushalayim, an author of Pure Money. For more shiurim or information, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. Hi everybody, this is Rabbi Shlomo Cohen with a shiur on Parashat Tzav. In this week's parsha, we find the very exacting laws for the korbanot. The korbanot that were brought in, brought in the time of the Beit Hamikdash have very strict rules about when you're allowed to bring them, and what happens if you miss the time, how they're supposed to be brought. They all have very, very exacting laws and halachot. These halachot are not noger to us today. Bezrat Hashem Yibane Beit Hamikdash. Maybe they will be noeg. Um, but we see in this week's parsha very, very exacting laws about when, um, when and how each sacrifice is supposed to be brought. The Gemara in Masechet Brachot tells us in Perek Tfilat Hashacha that our davening today is connected to the sacrifices, the korbanot that they used to bring in the Beit HaMikdash. We have Shachrit, Mincha, Avit. Each one of these is in place of sacrifices, which of course today we can't bring. And if so, then it would seem that our davening also has to be followed by these strict rules that we have with the korbanot. The Mishnah in Perk Tefillat Shacha opens with the question about until what time are you able to daven Tefillat Shacharit? Tefillat Shacharit, says the Tanakama, the first opinion in the Mishnah, you can be daven and you can say Shacharit until Chatzot. Chatzot is half the day. That's not necessarily going to be 12 o'clock because we have a Jewish day. We divide the daylight hours into 12 parts. And so in the summer, each part is going to come out at a little bit more than one of our hours. And in the winter, it might come out at a bit less. We divide the daylight hours into 12 parts. That's our Jewish day. So the first opinion in the Mishnah is that you're able to daven mincha until, sorry, you're able to daven shachrit until chatzot. Then Rabbi Yehuda comes along and he disagrees with the Tanakam and he says, no, you can't daven mincha until chatzot, you can daven it until arba shaot. Arba shaot, of course, of course, we're talking about ar shaot zmaniot, dividing up the day, as I just said, into 12 parts. After four of those parts, that's the latest time that you can daven shachrit. And that would, that's the way that the Shulchan Aruch Paskins in Orachaim, Maran Paskins, in Orachaim, Simon Peitet, Siv Aleph, like Rabbi Yehuda, that Shachrit can be davened until this time of Arba Sha'ot. The Mishnah then carries on to say, or the Gemara more, and the Gemara talks about it in more detail, that what happens if you miss one of the davenings, if you miss Shachrit? Are you able to make it up later? Says the Gemara, yes, you can. If you miss Shachrit, you can make it up by davening Mincha twice. 
And if you miss, min, miss Mincha, you can make up Mincha by davening Arvit twice. And if you miss Arvit, you can make that up by davening Shachrit twice. But with the sacrifices, you can't do that. So how is it that if we say that our davening is in the place of sacrifices, how is it possible to make up a davening? To make up a prayer that you missed? Sacrifices you can't make up if you missed them. What's the difference between the two? The Gemara answers that there is a difference. If you miss Shachrit and have to daven Mincha twice, so you didn't daven at the time you were supposed to. You don't get any reward for davening Shachrit on time. But you get reward for praying to Hashem. Whenever we pray to Hashem, we're going to get reward. You get reward for praying to Hashem. But you won't get reward for pray, for davening on time because you didn't daven on time. Right? Often I have the question with my children, they might get up late on a Shabbat morning and they say, oh wow, we've missed davening. We can't daven now. <laughs> you get up so late and now you want to be such a tzaddik that you can't daven. You can always daven. Davening is rachamim. Davening is praying to Hashem. You can always pray to Hashem. There's no rules about when you pray to Hashem. To have the, the, the reward for davening on time, that's a special thing. You missed that. That's never going to be able to come back. But you can still have the reward for praying. So if you miss a davening, you can make it up afterwards, but you're making up the fact that you missed praying. You're not making up the korban that you missed, the sacrifice that you missed, the praying on time that you missed. That you can't make up. Um, the, haloch, the halachot about when you're allowed to make up a, tf, up, up, up a tefillah that you missed are very exacting too. You can't, if you missed a prayer on purpose, then you can't make it up. But if you missed a prayer because of an onus, that means things that were outside of your control, then you are allowed to make it up at the next davening. That's the way Moran rules in Simon Peite. So, let's see. If someone just didn't want to daven, or they forgot to daven, they wouldn't be able to make it up at the next davening. If you missed Shachrit because you didn't want to daven Shachrit, you can't make it that up at the next davening. But if you missed Shachrit, not because you don't want to, but you missed Shachrit because you're ill, something came up, you had to rush about and arrange something, there was a... a there was an emergency, something like that. And because of that, you missed Shachrit. So certainly you can make it up afterwards. So arises the question that we will often have, we often, it often comes up with us. Let's say it's probably more common at Mincha time. We're very busy. We may be very busy in our work. And we suddenly look at our watch and it's after Shkir and we've missed Mincha. Are we allowed to daven Arvit twice? 
So it would seem that yes, you would be able to because it was things that were out of your control that stopped you from davening um, Mincha. And so you'd be able to daven Arvit twice to make that up. But what if it was one, two o'clock in the afternoon and there was a minion near you you could daven mincha then, but you said, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna daven right now. I'll daven later on. I've got a minion later on. I can daven later on. I've got some things I'd like to do right now. So I'll daven later on. I won't daven in the first minion that there is at, let's say it was one o'clock in the afternoon. But then something happens. An emergency. And so because of that emergency, you miss davening mincha. Later on at Shkia time, are you allowed to make that up? On the one hand, it was an emergency situation that prevented you from davening Mincha. But on the other hand, you had time earlier. So maybe it's not considered as if it was extraordinary circumstances. It was an emergency situation that stopped you from davening because you could have davened earlier. You waited until the last minute, and at the last minute an emergency came up. Is that considered that it's not your fault, and you can daven twice, Mincha? Twice of it, or no? Is it considered that it is your fault, you should have davened earlier? The answer of the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah Paskans, and the Ramah Paskan, that in a situation like that, you are considered as able to daven again. Even as you're considered, you're considered as if it was the emergency that stopped you from davening. Even though you had time earlier, and you could have davened earlier, but you pushed it off, and you waited until later on, and later on something, an emergency happened, and now you can't daven. Nevertheless, you're able to daven Arvit twice. From here we see an important principle, which I want to show you how it was applied in a case that came up in Beidin. The principle is that if someone had time to do something and they didn't do it, and then they were prevented from doing it at the end, it's nevertheless considered that it was, it was out of their control, even though they had time to do it earlier and they didn't take that opportunity. And let me tell you the case that happened in Beidin that this rule, this principle, was applied in order to, to, to answer the question. A guy was buying an apartment, and there was a lot of paperwork that needed to be done, a lot of legal documents, official documents that needed to be obtained for the sale to go through. The buyer had to arrange a number of things with his lawyer. He had to get hold of certain documents in order for the sale to go through. A contract had been signed and a date had been fixed by which the sale had to go through. The, 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 the buyer had to get all the, the, the documents that he needed so that the sale could be finalized. And as is very common, there was a clause in there that if he didn't, then the sale is cancelled. There was a grace period, but also, of course, after that grace period, definitely the sale is going to be cancelled. 
Anyway, after the contracts were signed, they had about, let's say, three months for the buyer, for the buyer to arrange the documents that he needed to arrange. After the contract had been signed, the seller was beginning to regret the sale. And he was looking for an opportunity to go back on the deal. And of course, a reason to go back on the deal will be if the buyer can't produce the documents that were needed by the required date. The buyer knew that there was going to be a problem. It wasn't going to be so easy to get hold of these documents. So he called up his lawyer and he told his lawyer that he must work hard to make sure that he gets these documents on time. The lawyer said, yeah, don't worry. I've got plenty of time. It's not going to take me long to do that. I'll make sure everything will be ready on time. He phoned him a little while later. He said, what's going on? He said, listen, I can't answer you right now. I'm on holiday in the Bahamas. What? He said, you've gone on holiday, but you have to arrange these documents for me. Don't worry, said the lawyer. I've got plenty of time to arrange the documents for you. In the end, the lawyer came back home from his holiday, arranged all the documents, arrived at the bank on the last day possible for him to, for the sale to still go through. And as he walked into the bank, there was a power cut and all the computers in the bank crashed. There was no way that this sale could be, that, that he, they would be able to, 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 to process the documents on that day. The day passed, and even though the lawyer was in the bank the next day with all the documents, the seller had already sent his lawyers to cancel the deal. Because the buyer had not complied with this condition. Nothing could be done about that. The sale is off now. But now the buyer is taking his lawyer to Beit Din. You, as my lawyer, were supposed to get the documents to the bank on time. And you acted negligently. You acted negligently by waiting until the last minute. And the fact that at the last minute it was a crash of the computers, an emergency situation, an extraordinary event, which prevented you from filing the papers on time. Nevertheless, you were negligent by not doing it earlier. And because of that negligence, you have to pay me damages. Why? Every professional has the responsibility, has responsibility towards his client. What level of responsibility does he have? He has the level of, level of responsibility of a paid guardian, a Shomer Sachar. Take the scenario that I ask you to look after something for me. Let's say we're at the airport and I ask you to keep an eye on my suitcase. From that moment that I ask you and you agree, if we haven't made any agreement to the contrary, you are what's called an, an unpaid guardian, a Shomer Chinam. That means that you're going to be responsible for negligence. But if any loss happens to my property, not because of your negligence, then you won't be obligated to, 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 to pay me damages. But if anything happens because of your negligence, 
then you'll have to pay me damages for that. As an unpaid guardian, of course, let me just say that you can always get out of being an unpaid guardian if you don't want that responsibility by saying, I'm not accepting any responsibility. Then even if you're negligent, you wouldn't have to pay for the value of this suitcase that you've been asked to look after. Um, and then there's a higher level of responsibility of what's called a shomer sachar. That means someone who's being paid to look after the property of someone else, or is getting some other benefit in kind from looking after the property of someone else. That person is not only responsible for negligence, he's also responsible for theft, and he's also expected in everything he does to be very, very careful. He's expected to be much, much more careful than an unpaid guardian is being. We find that in a number of places, the Gemara in Masechet Baba Metziah tells us that someone who's a paid guardian, if he were to be looking after a, a flock of sheep, he's expected when they get to a small little uh, bridge to guide them over one by one. And if he doesn't do that and then he fall in the river, he would have to pay damages. Whereas if he was an unpaid guardian, he wouldn't be expected to take them over one by one. He would just be allowed to let them go over, and even if some of them pushed each other into the water, that wouldn't be considered as negligence on his part. So we see that every person who's a paid guardian has a much higher level of responsibility than an unpaid guardian. But even an, a paid guardian is exempt in an emergency situation. If there's an onus, an emergency situation which no one could have... Um, no one could have prepared for, then he too is exempt. A professional has the responsibility of a Shomer Sachar, a paid guardian. That means any professional that I hire for whatever reason, when they are working on my property, they have responsibility of a Shomer Sachar towards that property. Even though they're not being paid to look after my property, but seeing as they're earning their living from my property, that's a benefit in kind, in exchange for that, says the Gemara, and that's the way Maran Paskans, Paskans in the Shulchan Aruch. In return for that, they accept upon themselves the obligation of a paid guardian. So too, this lawyer. When I hire a lawyer to deal with my affairs, he has the responsibility of a Shomer Sachar. That means he was expected to take special care to make sure that everything is going to go okay. And if it doesn't, he can be made obligated to pay damages. So if we say, so the claim of the, of the, of the buyer was that you were negligent. And even if you weren't negligent, you certainly didn't take the extra care that a Shomer Sachar is expected to take, that a paid guardian is expected to take, and therefore you have to pay me damages. And the argument of the lawyer was, no, I'm not. I was prevented by the crash of the computer system on the last day. Ah, says the buyer, why didn't you do that earlier? You had three months to do that and you didn't do it and you waited till the last day. That is negligent, said the buyer, but no it isn't, because I can prove to you from the halachot of davening that if you miss, if you, if you had time to daven, just like we've just been saying, if you had time to daven and you didn't daven at that time, you didn't pray at that time, and you waited until 
later on, and that later on there was an emergency situation which prevented you from being able to pray. Nevertheless, you're considered as someone who did not miss davening on purpose. You weren't negligent, and that's why you're allowed to daven twice. So you see from here that where you had time to do something, and you didn't do it, and you waited until the end, and then extraordinary circumstances or an emergency situation prevented you from doing it, nevertheless, that is considered as something that was out of your control, an onus, and in an onus, you wouldn't have to play, play, pay damages. An interesting question here is that actually there's a contradiction to that. In another place, in, in, in the Gemara Mesechet Gitin, there's a special halacha of what's called Batei Arechoma. That means a house in a walled city. That if someone buys from you your house in a walled city, you have a year to redeem it. And if you don't redeem it, then you lose it forever. But you have a year to redeem it. And the Gemara says that a special enactment was made so that the owners of these houses would be able to redeem even on the last day. Because what would happen was the buyers, who obviously wanted that the seller would not be able to turn up and redeem his property, would go and hide on the last day of the year so that they wouldn't be able to find them and they wouldn't be able to redeem their property. And because of that, they made a special enactment, Hillel made a special enactment, that there was a special office where people could go and give in that money if they couldn't find the owner. Asks Chazal, why did Hillel need to do that? The person was um, prevented by extraordinary circumstances from giving the money back because the guy was hiding. So it should be that they weren't negligent and they'd be able to pay back later on. Sorry, they weren't. It was, it was what we call an onus. And they'd be able to pay back later on. But nevertheless, we see that Hillel made this special enactment. Why did he need to do it? From here, it would seem that you see the opposite from what we said before. You would see that even though you had time, if, if you had time to do something, but in the end you were prevented by an extraordinary circumstance, nevertheless, it's considered that you are negligent. And that's why Hillel need needed to make the enactment that he did. The Ketzot Hoshin deals with this question and he says, no. Really, the halacha is like the halacha in davening. That if you had time to do something and you didn't do it and you waited until the end and then you were prevented from doing it by extraordinary circumstances, that is considered as an onus. Not like it would be inferred from the Gemara here. But so then why did Hillel need to make that enactment? The answer is, says the Ketzot, that how could you ever prove that the guy was hiding? Maybe he wasn't hiding. You'd have to have witnesses following about everywhere for the whole day in order to know whether he was hiding or not. That's why Hill had to make his takana. But really the lacha is, if you had time to do something, 
and you didn't do it and you waited until the last opportunity and then extraordinary circumstances prevented you from doing it, you are considered as if you are onus and not as if you are negligent. Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom to everybody. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakha consultation, monetary bedin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call one 200 tshc or email info at the shc.org to subscribe.